0: You're listening to audio from Journey Bible Church. Join us every week for sermons from God's Word by subscribing to this podcast wherever you like to listen most. If you would like to connect with us, head to journeybible.org connect. Well, good morning. Welcome to Journey Bible Church. It's great to be with you. This morning, um, everybody enjoy their spring break? I don't know, you guys don't sound too excited out there. I love spring break personally, because it's a week where all five of my kids are home for the entire week. My wife and I get to find ways to entertain them 24 seven for an entire week, it's a blast. And then our routine as a family gets tossed out the window, so that's also a benefit, right? I love how they call it spring break. It's like, you mean winter break part two, right? Good grief. So it's too cold for my kids to play outside. We're stuck inside, hunkered down in our house, doing everything we can to survive. And you might think I'm describing what to do in the event of a nuclear apocalypse, but at my house, it's just spring break, So with that, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with bitterness, (laughs) and my name is Mark. (laughs) That's how we introduce ourselves at Celebrate Recovery. First, we start with our identity in Christ because we're not ultimately defined by our struggle or by our addiction. We first and foremost belong to Jesus. At the same time, we're still works in progress. We all still have hurts, habits, and hangups that we're working through. So the way that I really introduce myself at Celebrate Recovery is I say, I say, I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with self-worth and approval. My name is Mark. And so I'm very excited to be here this morning to tell you a little bit more about Celebrate Recovery. Recovery. If you don't know what Celebrate Recovery is, it's a Christ centered 12 step program that helps people experience God's healing power as we walk the road of recovery. So I'm often asked the question who is Celebrate Recovery for? Is it just for people who have addictions? The answer is no. It's for anyone who has hurts, unhealthy habits, hang ups in their life that are keeping them from walking and freedom in Jesus. And last time I checked, I think any of us in this room could fall into that category. So I'm a firm believer that anybody can, can benefit from Celebrate Recovery. So I had heard about Celebrate Recovery in the past, but had never experienced it for myself until Pastor Keith, who you heard from last week, came on board to our staff last year. So Keith would start coming into my office pretty much on a daily basis and he would tell me about Celebrate Recovery and he was super excited about it. And after a while, it got to a point where I was like, you know, Keith, we can talk about this all day long, but until I see it for myself and experience it for myself, like I, I can't join you in your enthusiasm. So he said, okay, go check out this Celebrate Recovery in St. Louis. And it was a Celebrate Recovery that Keith helped start many years ago when he was young, right? Um, So I went to St. Louis last year around summertime, went to St. Louis, went and visited to Celebrate Recovery, had no idea what to expect, my first time ever at a CR gathering. And I walked away from that night convinced that we at least need to try Celebrate Recovery a Journey. And there were two primary reasons why. The first, The first thing that struck me in my experience was just seeing how vulnerable and honest people were about their struggles. The people at Celebrate Recovery weren't trying to hide their brokenness or their problems. They had a safe place where they could come and and talk openly about those things. And that really struck me. The second thing that really stood out to me was this thought that there were so many people that were there that night who you would not normally see at church on a Sunday. But I believe that those are the people that Jesus would have gone after. And so I left that night convinced that we at least have got to try Celebrate Recovery at Journey Bible Church. And so ever since then, we've been laying the foundation to get Celebrate Recovery started at Journey. So we've recruited a team of volunteers and leaders. We've been training for the past few months, every Friday night, as we prepare for our public launch on April 14th. Uh, And so we are so excited to start this ministry. We're so excited to see what God is gonna do through this ministry. So we're in the middle of this series right now called Life's Healing Journey, which is based on the eight principles of Celebrate Recovery. The past several weeks, we've heard from Pastor Mike, we've heard from Pastor Keith, we've walked through principles one through three, which just to give you a quick summary, principles one through three is essentially saying, admitting that I'm powerless to fix myself, believing that God has the power to help me recover, and then choosing to commit my life and will to Christ. Those are the first three principles. A simple way that we could summarize that would be to say, I can't, God can, I think I'll let him. So this morning, we're gonna jump ahead to principle seven. And principle seven says this, reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. So today I wanna explore what it looks like to stay on the road toward healing. But I also want us to be mindful of the things that can cause us to get off track and to veer off into a direction that's unhealthy. In other words, if we're not surrendering to God on a daily basis, it's gonna be easy for us to slip back into old habits or to have a relapse. And I'm gonna be using the word relapse several times in this sermon. So I just wanna be really clear about what I mean by that word. A relapse is when we revert back to old habits, when we fall back into sin, when we slip. And church, relapses happen in a very predictable pattern. First is complacency you and I start getting comfortable where we're at. We start to say to ourselves, you know what? I don't think I need any more help. My pain's been reduced. I can manage my issues. I don't need to work on the 12 steps of celebrate recovery. I don't need accountability. You become complacent. The second thing that happens is confusion. That's when you start to rationalize and you start to say to yourself, you know, maybe my problems weren't that bad after all. You know, I can, I can handle all of this myself. You start forgetting how bad things used to be. And then third, you compromise. You go back to the place of temptation. You return to the risky situation that got you in trouble in the first place, whether it's the bar or the, the mall or the casino or that website or whatever it is. You go back to that place. You go back to the thing that enslaved you, like the Israelites wanting to go back to Egypt. You start compromising. The catastrophe is where you give in to the old habit, the old hurts, the hate comes back, the resentment starts to come back and build up. You need to understand that the collapse is not the relapse. The catastrophe is not when the relapse happens. It actually started much earlier. The catastrophe is simply the results of a predictable pattern. So why do we fall back? Why do we, even though we often know which way to go, when we know what the right thing to do is, why do we tend to go back on what we know is right? So in this sermon, I really have just two objectives. One is to examine what causes us to get off track. What can cause a relapse? That's the first objective. The second objective is to look at how we can prevent a relapse. How do we stay on the path that leads to righteousness? In his famous poem, The Road Not Taken, Robert Frost says, two roads diverged in a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. I like to think of the road less traveled as the way of Jesus. It's not an easy road and we cannot do it alone, but it is the path toward healing and freedom. So before we dive into those two objectives, would you pray with me? Father God, I pray that you would help me now to get out of the way. So God, that your word may be proclaimed boldly. And God, I pray that you would encourage us in this time that we have together. And God, that we would feel even more equipped to stay on the path, to not not veer off the path, but to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen. So what can cause a relapse? That's the first question. What can cause us to fall back into old habits? The first thing is when we revert to willpower, reverting to willpower. Galatians 3.3 says, are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirits, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So here's how it often goes. We start off admitting that we're powerless and we acknowledge that God has the power to change us and we decide to trust God. We start following Jesus and, and things start to change. You have more joy and more patience in your life. Your desires start to change. You aren't as prone to do the things that you used to do. But after a while, if, if we're not careful, we can start thinking these kind of thoughts. You know what? Look at me. Look at all this, this good that I'm doing. Look at all these changes that I'm making in my life. We start to take the credit. You have a few successes and suddenly you think you're all powerful, you're all knowing and you can handle everything. And that's when denial starts to creep in. It's like Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story, right? He's in total denial about being a toy. Thinks he can fly. Woody is the only toy who's willing to tell him the hard truth. You are a toy. You're a child's plaything, right? My Tom Hanks voice is terrible. I'm working on it. What happens later in the movie? Buzz throws himself from a balcony thinking that he can fly. But what happens? He falls. He falls. We need people in our life who are willing to tell us the truth. You are not God. You cannot do what only God can do. You don't have the ability to conjure up enough willpower to do what only God can do. And God will let you relapse until you realize that you cannot do it on your own. He'll let you fall 100 times, 200 times, 300 times, until you say, God, I cannot do it. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You will succeed because of my spirit. Only God has the power to take away those character defects that all of us have. But if we start reverting to willpower, we are setting ourselves up for failure and we will relapse. The second thing that can cause a relapse is when we try to recover without support. And here's how the thinking goes. You know, I'll just get better by myself. I don't need anyone's help. And if that's your mentality, you're asking for a relapse. You may be thinking like, you know what? I'll, I'll come to church on Sunday. I'll listen to the sermons, but I'm not gonna go to counseling. I'm not gonna go to therapy. I'm not gonna go to celebrate recovery. I'm not gonna go to my journey group. I'll listen to the messages and I'll get by just fine on my own. Wrong. It does not work that way. In Ecclesiastes, we looked at this verse just a few weeks ago. It says, two are better than one. Why? Because if one of them falls down, the other can help him up. But what if someone is alone and they fall? Who's gonna be there to help them get back up? You're not going to make it in life if you don't have support. It would be like a climber trying to get to the top of Mount Everest without a team or a guide. Have you ever heard of a solo climber getting to the top of Mount Everest? No, because it would be suicide to even try it. We need support if we expect to stay on the path. Rich Mullins, one of my favorite songwriters, has this lyric where he says, faith without works is about as useless as a screen door on a submarine. The same could be said of trying to go through life without support. It's useless. It's not going to work you're not going to stay on the path toward recovery and healing that way. Because when you're tempted, when that temptation comes and you don't have support, who's gonna be there to help lift you up when you fall? If you fall, who's gonna be there to help you? In order to avoid a relapse, you need support in your life. So reverting to willpower and trying to recover without support can cause us to relapse. The third thing that can cause a relapse is when we become prideful. When we become prideful, when we start getting overconfident, saying things like, you know what, I'm strong, I got this. Man, pride gets us in all kinds of trouble. Pride always sets us up for a fall. It blinds us to our own Weaknesses. It keeps us from seeking help. It prevents us from making amends to other people. One of the biggest problems with pride is that it causes us to blame other people for things that we should be taking responsibility for. So we start saying things like, it's not my problem, it's, it's because of that person. We become prideful. And 1 Corinthians 10:12 says this. If you think you're standing, watch out that you don't fall. The secret of lasting recovery is to live with humility. It's one of the best protections against relapse. It's not, hey, I've got it all together. It's no, I'm getting it together, but I don't have it all together yet. You live with a constant state of humility in your life You understand that you are a work in progress, that we haven't arrived at our final destination yet. We're not all the way there yet. In the movie, Ocean's Eleven, Andy Garcia plays Terry Benedict, who owns three casinos and hotels, the Bellagio, the MGM Grands, and the Mirage. In the movie, he has this famous line. He says, I know everything that's happening in my hotels. You see, just when you think you have it together, watch out because often the very area that you think you're strongest is actually unguarded. And that's the area where Danny Ocean will swoop in and steal your fortune right under your nose. Just when we think we have it figured out, just when we think we have it all together, just when we become blind to our own weaknesses is when we are setting ourselves up for a fall. So watch out, live with humility. Don't forget that you and I are works in progress. So now that we've considered what can cause a relapse, we need to ask ourselves, how do I prevent a relapse? Well, this is where principle seven comes into play. We call principle seven the maintenance step. It's, it's this, just to remind you of what it says. It's reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading and prayer. In order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to do it. This principle is based on Mark 14, verse 38, which says, Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. It is human nature to let past problems revisit us, old hurts, hang ups come back to haunt us. One pastor says it like this, the old self has an uncanny ability to resurrect itself. So we need to have some safeguards and that's what this step is all about. So there are three safeguards that help us maintain our recovery to stay on the path. Safeguard number one to maintaining recovery is simply this, Bible reading. Meditating on God's word. Meditation is a good biblical word that's been co-opted by a lot of people. It simply means this, slowing down long enough in order to hear God. That's all it is. But busyness, it can stifle our recovery and growth. I don't know about you, but I find that one of the things that Satan fights against the most in my life is this very issue, making sure that I get time alone with God on a daily basis. Psalm one, one through three says, "'Blessed is the man who walks "'not in the counsel of the wicked, "'nor stands in the way of sinners, "'nor sits in the seat of scoffers, "'but his delight is in the law of the Lord, "'and on his law he meditates day and night.'" He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The key to growth and recovery is to have roots deep down in God's word. And the way that you get roots deep down in God's word is when you and I meditate on his word. When we do that, it says that we're like a tree planted by a river. And when the heat comes, you don't wither away. When the drought comes, you don't dry up. You don't relapse because you're rooted in the word of God. It's your anchor. So we need God's word if we're gonna stay on the path to recovery. So how do I meditate on God's word? What does that look like? Well, in Psalm 119, it says, I thought much about your words and stored them in my heart so they would help hold me back from sin. So how, how do we meditate on his word? We, we memorize his word. We store it in our hearts. We, we memorize promises from God's word so that it's not just I have my time with God in the morning or the evening. It's like I can have time with God throughout the day because I can meditate on his word as I go and live my life moment by moment. His word is hidden in my heart. It helps hold me back from relapsing. If you wanna avoid temptation, meditate on God's word. Memorize his word. A person who meditates on God's word is like the branch connected to the vine. It bears fruit in season. It prospers because it's connected to the vine. And in John 15, Jesus makes it really clear. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing, nothing. If you wanna avoid a relapse, church, we have to be connected to Christ. Apart from Christ, what can we do? Nothing. So when we meditate on God's word, here's what starts to happen the more we come to rely on God moments by moments. When we meditate on God's word, our desire to worship him increases. When we meditate on God's word, we become rooted in truth. When we meditate on God's word, we're better equipped to fight against sin and temptation. Think about it like this. Pastor Rick Warren says, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. What he means is that worry is just negative meditation. Worry is when you take a negative thought and you think on it over and over and over again. But on the flip side, think about this. When you take the word of God and you think on it over and over and over again, what starts to happen? you don't worry as much, you have more peace. You you don't find yourself veering to the left and to the right. You're rooted in his word because you're meditating on it, you're being faithful. So when we stay on the path that leads to life, we're making it a daily practice to meditate on God's word. It's not a once a week thing, not a once a month thing. It's a daily rhythm of our life. Safeguard number two to maintaining recovery is what we call self-examination, self-examination. Lamentations tells us, let us examine ourselves and let us repent. So what do we need to examine? Well, I'm gonna give you four inventories, okay? And a helpful way to remember them is RPMs, R-P-M-S, four inventories that we can take of ourselves on a daily basis. So here's what to evaluate. Number one, the R stands for relational. Here's the kinds of questions that you're asking when you're doing a relational inventory. You're asking yourself, am I at peace with everyone? If you're not, that internal conflict that you're feeling is going to keep you back and hold you back from recovery. And there are people around you that, that, you know they might even be in this room who you've got conflict with right now. And that maybe feels more obvious. They might be sitting right next to you, right? But some, maybe it's something that happened like when you were a kid, happened decades ago, potentially. It's a hurt that happened to you a long time ago and that person might live a thousand miles away from you. But when you wake up in the morning, you're thinking about that person. You're allowing them to live rent free in your minds and it can be controlling. You become preoccupied with it. So you gotta ask yourself, is there anybody living rent free in my mind? Am I holding on to a hurt? The second inventory, the P, stands for physical. You ask the question, what's my body telling me? Your body is a barometer of what's happening inside you. So for example, if you have tense muscles, guess what? You're probably stressed out. So our body is a a barometer. It's it's a, a warning light that maybe something is wrong. And so periodically throughout the day, it's helpful to stop and ask yourself, what's my body saying to me? Am I hungry or hangry? I don't know. Am I tired? Am I fatigued? Am I stressed out? Take some clues from your body that things may be out of line. Inventory three, the M, stands for mental. We could also call this emotional, an emotional inventory. What am I feeling right now? That's the question. Am I allowing my real feelings to surface or am I just pushing them down, okay? and We all know what happens when we push down our real feelings. It's like putting Mentos in a Coke bottle and shaking it up, right? It's gonna explode. So one of the things that's helpful when you do a mental, emotional inventory. is to do what we call a heart check. And in CR, we talk about this a lot. The heart check's just a really simple way to evaluate, man, where am I emotionally? So we ask these questions, am I hurting? Am I exhausted? Am I angry? Am I resenting anyone? Am I tense? And if your answer to any of those questions is yes, that may be an area that you need to dig in a little bit deeper. There may be some stuff there that you need to confess before God. There may be some some things that come up there where you need to reconcile with somebody else. And then finally, the the fourth inventory, the S stands for spiritual. And really it's just asking this question, am I relying on God? Moments by moments, am I relying on God? or am I relying on self? So when you do an inventory at work, for example, like let's say at the grocery store, you're not just looking for the bad fruit that's spoiled. You're also looking for the good fruit too. So when you do a personal inventory, when you do self-examination, the goal is not just to look for stuff that's wrong in your life. It's easy, to, it's easy to do that though, right? Like we, we focus on the things that aren't going well. The goal of inventory is also to, to, to examine what, what things are going well. So for example, if, if you struggle with lying, if you're like a compulsive liar, maybe you come to the end of your day and you're like, you know what? I, I lied a bunch, but I did tell the truth once today. <laughs> Praise God, that's progress, right? Or maybe you struggle with anger, and you're like, you know what? I, I, I lost my temper like three times today, but I was calm twice. Praise God for that. That's, that's awesome. That's worth celebrating. You know, that's why we call it celebrate recovery. Because when you see somebody become unshackled from the chains that have been holding them back from walking in freedom in Jesus, that's worth celebrating. Even the smallest thing, we celebrate it and we thank God for it because it's evidence of the spirit at work in our life producing fruits. Man, that's awesome. That's why we celebrate. So when you do an inventory, don't just focus on the bad stuff. Rejoice and celebrate of the good that God is producing in your life too. Keep it balanced. Now there's a third tool that God says will be helpful when it comes to maintaining our recovery, and that's prayer, prayer. Prayer is the way that you and I plug into God's power. Now, how do I pray? Notice what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six of of verses that we're all familiar with. Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's a couple things I want you to notice about the Lord's Prayer. The first is when Jesus says, pray then like this. In other words, Jesus is saying, This is how you should pray. It's not necessarily saying, This is what you should pray every time you pray. It's a model for how we can come before God. It's not a ritual that's meant to be prayed over and over and over again. Because a couple of verses before that, Jesus warns against that. He says, Don't repeat ritual prayers, don't have vain repetitions. So the Lord's prayer was not a prayer to be used as a ritual, but a model for how to pray. So it's not what you should pray necessarily every time that you pray, it's how you should pray. Now, if you notice here, all of the eight principles for recovery are basically covered in this prayer. When it says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that's realizing that I'm not God, but that he is. That's principle one. When it says, may your will be done, may your kingdom come, that's principle five. Give us this day our daily bread, that's principle three. Forgive us our debts, that's principle four. As we forgive others, that's principle six. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's what we're talking about today. That's, that's principle seven, that's relapse, that's this step. Jesus gives us the principles by which we can find full recovery. It's in the word and we can tap into it when we connect with God through prayer. So if you wanna stay on the path of recovery, if you wanna walk in freedom, if we intend to choose the road less traveled, then daily Bible reading, daily self-examination and daily prayer are essential. So before we wrap up, I feel like there's there's one last thing that I need to point out when it comes to our recovery, when it comes to our own healing journey. I think ultimately what separates someone who stays on the path versus someone who veers off into the wrong direction, it comes down to this, our understanding of the gospel. So here's the ideal, church, this is the ideal, is that as you and I grow in our understanding of God's holiness and his majesty and his glory and his splendor, and at the same time as we grow in our understanding of our own sinfulness and our own brokenness, here's what should happen. The cross becomes bigger and bigger and bigger in your experience because you begin to understand more fully the depths of God's love for you, that he would send his son into the world to rescue us from sin, to give us freedom, to purchase us, to redeem us, to make us new. And so as we keep our eyes fixed on the cross, church, you will always be growing in your love for Jesus. But the second that we take our eyes off of the cross, the moment we forget the hope of the gospel, we're setting ourselves up for trouble. Why? Because either we will begin to rely on our own efforts, we'll begin to rely on our own good works or religion to try to prove to God that we're worthy of his love, or we will become weighed down by shame and guilt and despair and we will veer off the path. Church, when you rely on your own willpower, you cannot grow in your love for Jesus. When you become weighed down by shame and despair, you won't be growing in your love for God. But when we keep our eyes fixed, on the cross, your love for Jesus will only grow and grow and grow. So if you wanna stay on the path that leads to life, brothers and sisters, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on the cross. Remind yourself of the gospel, of the good news every day. Reserve a daily time for Bible reading for self-examination and prayer. Church, when we do those things, man, that's a person that's not easily shaken, amen? Let's pray. Father God, we just acknowledge that that on our own, we, we could never have done what only you can do. And so God, we thank you and we praise you that you did everything that's necessary in order to save us from the curse of sin. You did everything necessary in order that we could walk in freedom and joy and that we could have life, an abundant life. God, thank you for the gift of the gospel. Thank you that you sent your son into our world to take our place on the cross. And thank you that in Jesus, we have new life, that we've been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. God, what an amazing gift. So God, I pray now that as we respond in worship, that we would be reminded that apart from you, we can do nothing. Apart from you, we cannot walk the road of recovery. So God, I pray that we would worship you with joy and with gladness, Lord, knowing that because of your spirit that's at work within us, God, that we can can walk in freedom, we can walk and the newness of life that you've purchased for us on the cross. So, God, we love you. You're worthy of all of our worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This podcast was produced by Journey Bible Church in Olathe, Kansas. If you're interested in learning more about our church, visit journeybible.org. Thanks for listening.